The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? And welcome back to another episode of No Ceilings Podcast with your host. Now nah, fuck that with your low, Glasses Malone. Deep dog. Woo, woo, woo. Standing dog. Just trying to stay under the radar. That's it. Man, I uh, I it sounds crazy. I don't know if this makes medical sense, but I was telling you before. It feels like my body, whenever it comes into contact with COVID at this point, it automatically goes into full self defense mode. So. I can always feel it, even if I'm not going to get sick or COVID is not going to, you know, it's like a boxing match. Like when you first start learning how to box, right, the most scariest thing in the world you fear is getting punched. So you over defend your whole body, puts your arms up, you start doing everything. But, you know, the more you learn about boxing, you tend to you start learning how to defend real slick or like more effective to where you still in position to punch like a great fighter. You know, a great fighter is the greatest fighters. Rather, they can put themselves in defense just enough, but they're also ready to punch. A fighter like Adrian Broner, who I think is like a a first ballot Hall of Famer. You know, what I mean, I mean, well, he's not a first, they're not gonna give him first ballot, even though he probably deserves it. But he's a Hall of Famer. Um, his 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 main issue, and my boy Silas told me this a while ago. It takes him too long to go from defense to offense. Does that make sense? So, like, he's defending, Absolutely. and then he goes on offense. And I feel like my body is doing that whenever it encounters COVID. It goes into, like, everything blocks up, and it makes my whole body almost feel like it's shutting down versus, you know, fighting the battle. I don't know if that makes 100%. sense. If somebody enjoys my podcast that's in the medical field, make sure yeah, you hit me and let me know if that sounds crazy. Yeah, I mean, I, I just talked uh, at length with – uh the uh, research scientist we had on like a year ago, yeah, like last week. And I, he sees a lot of stuff. I shot him a, 
long form interview with a research scientist from Stanford to see what he thought about it. And he's like, there's, you know, it, it's absurd not to look at this virus as synthetically produced at this point, just given its nature. And and the way I could describe the virus, like as a boxing parallel, like in a touch and go, it would be like if you were to take, you know, a bo- Joe Boxer and extend his physical prime 50 years so that he had 50 years of in-ring boxing knowledge and none of the physical deterioration, you know, like it, it was very much manipulated. The generations of evolution that happened in the lab occurred, you know, to the extent that it's like much more durable than it should otherwise have been. And, and much more, um, like, like evolved, you know, like when they, when you see like, we'll see a new variant, it's because the original gene mutates slightly all the time. So like I might cough a thousand variants out, 999 of them are like birth defect variants. And one of them Superman and that one will survive and it'll make, you know, offspring of that virus, et cetera, et cetera. It's more like attrition than whatever else. So, yeah, for whatever reason, your body just, mine too. It's funny because, you know, you're bringing up that scientist we had on the podcast, the, the research scientist. Did, you, did I ever tell you they wanted to actually take that podcast down? They was having problems, lack of fit. That doesn't surprise me, but no, you never told me that. Yeah. They didn't. That's why I don't think I made a big deal. I'm good at not making a big deal out of something unless it becomes a big deal. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and they wanted to take that down because they it's like this. Like the one thing America don't have a lot of things right as a country. You know, the, the idea of it makes sense. But the way it's, you know, I call it devolving. It doesn't really make You're sense. right. I mean, it's yeah. devolving into these really weird spaces of selfishness and i just was having this conversation we'll get back into that but the one thing they did have right was the concept of freedom of speech mm-hmm. it was like one of the endless concepts that made america great as a country you know what i mean it made the citizen as powerful as the government itself without it you know you 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 in trouble and it's a character i've never seen any of his content until now right it's a character his name is andrew tate i think he was a ufc boxer at one time but he kind of goes around speaking and i don't know enough about his content i never really got into it just like um oh boy rest in peace that died in georgia the brother with the glasses oh yeah, yeah, yeah. um i can't understand why i'm drawing a blank on his well, name i know I exactly what you're talking about that much of his content like i've consumed enough of it to understand his premise yeah, Kevin Samuels. Kevin Samuels. Rest in yeah. peace, Kevin Samuels. Um, but I've never seen any of his name, Andrew Tate. Excuse me, Andrew Tate. Mm-hmm. I haven't consumed enough of Andrew Tate's content. Like, but the stuff that I saw, the little highlights was like kind of like caveman type thing. Like it wasn't bad. It was just super old primitive. Yeah. And like I seen all of the outlets, they're starting to like ban him. Right? Where it's like uh facebook and ig banned his account and now youtube if i understand correctly i'm not sure this is true i don't want to throw youtube under the bus but you can't search for his channel no more it's giving you like a a broken link 
I believe it. YouTube banned two very, very, very prominent uh, conservative host shows just last week. And it's um, weird, right? Because these are private businesses. Yeah. Right? These are very much private businesses. Uh, IG, Facebook, Meta, you know, and YouTube, they're private businesses. But the problem is because of their economic growth and their influence, they become as influential to the government as the population as a mass. Thousand percent. I, I, I heard the most, and I'm going to send it to you, um, the most powerful interview as far as information and, ex- and, and explanation over the weekend I've ever heard in my life as far as describing. Uh, it, it, was, it was the author of a book called The Scandal of Money talking about basically like the last 20 years and the relationship between like world banks, so to speak, government finance and large corporations and how like IPOs used to be seven to one relative to mergers and acquisitions. And now there's 28 mergers and acquisitions for every one IPO. Mm. So as far as like looking at YouTube, Google, Facebook, Meta, um, shit like that, these, you know, the hyper amount of pumping of capital through quantitative, quantitative easing efforts has turned these gov- these private companies into pseudo socialized government funded entities that are able to be manipulated and hide behind the private corporation status. I mean, they obviously there's that section 230 law that protects all the social media companies from, you know, being liable, I guess, for what's on their platform, but then they're also highly incentivized to manipulate and police what's on their platform actively. So they kind of walk, both sides of the line simultaneously. And it's, yeah, it's turning into a seriously problematic issues for, for people who don't know how to go or don't care or have the time or whatever else. I mean, there's a million reasons why 90% of Americans aren't able to look at a, at a topic, consider how is this topic being given to me where can i find other sources how can i find them and what does that mean you know it's very difficult to get true reasonable objective reporting on things anymore no ceilings no ceilings gl my man peter in the spot under the weather a little bit but we gonna rock out anyway um It's just what makes it weird for me. I, like, I don't think nothing is objective. You know what I mean? I don't think it's, I just think it was always healthy to hear both sides of any concept. Yeah. The truth lies somewhere in the middle. I, f- I feel like reporting, you know, if, if you were going to just make it a simple spectrum, if purely objective is zero and conservative or progressive, whatever the hell is positive 10 and negative 10. I feel like 15 years ago, 20 years ago, spin and slant would maybe encroach to like three or four, you know, on the spectrum, positive or negative. Now it starts at positive or negative eight. 
and exists between eight and ten. Like like the the distance from neutral on both sides has grown tremendously. I agree. I agree. Um, <clears throat> but it all goes back into that same concept, like where I feel like I tease Van Van Lathan about this all the time, but it's like I call that movement. It's like Doctor Cocktoo. You ever seen the uh, the the movie Demolition Man with Sylvester Stallone? Yeah. Where they try? Yeah, Wesley Snipes with the blonde hair. Yeah, where they all try to find this space of just positivity and niceness and blah blah blah. That's not really nice at a certain place. It starts just becoming ridiculous. Yeah. Like. <laughs> That's how I described culture in the Bay Area when I lived in Oakland in like oh four oh five. Um, but I tease him all the time. Like they, he had posted a, a video of some parents, you know, scaring their kids with a with a ghost. Yeah, and I thought it was funny. You know what I mean? Like I remember getting scared as a kid. Yeah, and they just started to talk about how traumatizing. Oh, you traumatizing your kids? And I'm like, shut your bitch ass up. You know what yeah. I mean? Like. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's something wrong with me or them, but there is something wrong. I'm going to take a shotgun response and just go, it's probably them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get it. I, I don't like you want to. And, it's, and, I, and I saw another. It was like a grip of comments on a social media post where they was thanking God for silencing this man. And I'm like, he's so uninteresting to me. I never went and saw his content. And why are you thanking God for something you just don't have to look at? Yeah, that's that's what's so interesting to me about it right now is that you described it like perfectly in an indirect fashion. People are not concerned about what they take in because they think that they're brilliant and geniuses and able to cut through the bullshit. But they have no confidence in their fellow man. So they're like, well, I know it's bullshit, but you just can't let other people see this because they're such buffoonish morons that they're going to take it and run with it and misinterpret it. So it needs to be taken down completely to protect all of us from the ocean of idiots, which we assume is everyone but ourselves. Hmm. I like it all. I ain't going to lie to you. Some of it is some stuff is hurting my feelings, but I enjoy it. Like it, it, it brings me to a, a another depth of existence. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it mm. kind of makes my existence a lot more complete. And um, I was just having this conversation, and I promised myself I wouldn't bring it up until I took more time to do research. But I'm starting to think therapy turns everybody into white people. Oh yeah, I don't know what and the fuck it turns us a into. Serious sense of selfishness. Every last person. Whether it's my homegirl Debbie Dev, it like all of the conversations become I I I me 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 I I I I, and it's like, mm-hmm. yo, the act of being, the verb of being a human being is is humane, right? It's all consistent with caring about everyone else. Now, I think there is a place to find between the whole world and yourself, but I still think the whole world matters. And when you constantly act like the whole world doesn't matter. That's when you start having problems. You know what? Like the best parallel that I can draw to in real life that kind of illustrates this concept, because you're 100% right. It's all about how I feel, me, 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 and damn everybody else. It's like when you get to a freeway or a merging point 
and and most of the people are trying to merge in an orderly fashion and then you get a handful as always you know the right lane that's expiring and merging in that will pull out race to the front jam it up for everybody else and create a traffic jam so that they themselves can cut everybody else off and get ahead a dozen cars you know mm-hmm. and and that's kind of the societal activity that we're seeing happen now like everybody's and, and therapists i don't give a like i think that is the biggest pile of you know what for 99 percent of the participants involved there's never really much accountability it's all about just feeling better by hook or by crook and hopefully you don't feel so much better that you stop coming so there's never seemingly an end point (laughs) i just uh, i gotta do a lot more research to keep talking about it but man that shit bothers me but back to the censorship shit didn't you get banned off of twitter that's a fact and what's the actual post that got you banned off of Twitter? Do you remember? I, I don't know. It was either a sarcastic comment or it was a specific study that was sent to me by that same uh, researcher that we had on the show that was just an early, you know, credible laboratory scientific study about one aspect of COVID and I put it on Twitter. And then I said, and then some, I saw some other post about something and I made some like really obviously sarcastic joke that was very obvious and very, very watered down. And it wasn't even, and that's why I don't think it was that. And somebody goes, Oh, are you saying that? And I go, yeah, that's clearly what I'm saying. Being even more sarcastic, but sometime in the subsequent couple of hours, I got banned. I'm assuming it's much more for the study than for the sarcastic remark. But it was, but they won't tell me. I can't determine what's, what it is. When I look back at my account, it's like largely wiped. It's still there. I mean, I still can't get on Twitter. But I don't know. So, so some guy just um, sued Twitter or Facebook, some uh, COVID research scientist who got banned permanently and it went on and on for a year and he won and got back on because he got discovery of communications between the government and the platform where the government was attempting to use the platform overtly through sure. clear language in the emails that they prefer. Exactly. And, and it was, and that was what pierced the private corporation protection in court because they were like, well, now you're doing the bidding of the government and the government cannot censor under the First Amendment. Therefore, you cannot on behalf of the government. So you have to let this guy back on. And that was litigation that went on for about two years. Or no, it went on for just uh, just about one year because that was how long it was. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. In my best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Uh, Thank God for deliverance. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. 
The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby Award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Hello. From Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica, a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. This month, we're bringing you the stories of disappearing acts. There's the 17th century fraudster who convinced men she was a German princess. The 1950s folk singer who literally drove off into the sunset and was never heard from again. The First Nations activist whose kidnapping and murder ignited decades of discourse about indigenous women's disappearances. And the young daughter of a Russian czar whose legendary escape led to even more intrigue and speculation. These stories make us consider what it means to disappear and why a woman might even want to make herself scarce. Listen to Amanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. How do you feel about Is there anything that should be censored? Yeah, well, yeah, certainly. I think that there's a lot of sexual stuff that should be censored because you can't necessarily, like, obviously, like, pedophile shit is a crime so you can't have that on there that's not very ambiguous but also like it's probably not great to have like 10 year olds looking at twitter porn and i don't know how obviously i'm not 10 so when i, I don't know how to make it like if, if i'm a kid to see porn at nine and ten years old that's all another story yeah but like I, if you can't police who's seeing it age-wise there's probably you know might not should be there but otherwise as far as just simple ideas and shit go no i think this, the only thing i would say is there's certain shit that people below a certain age probably shouldn't just simply see whether it be obscenely violent or obscenely sexual or whatever outside of that i don't think so at all i just think they just a bit too harsh on certain parts like women naked who the fuck cares like when you growing up seeing, I don't know if this is normal in other people's community. But when I was a kid, I saw my mom naked. I never thought it was attractive or none. It was my mom. She's like, damn, mom put on some clothes. I never see my mom naked yeah, in my see, life. That's what I'm saying. And and I think and I know some of my homies seen their moms naked. Not like looking, peeking, like your mom is a little bit free because it's your mom. You know what I mean? Yeah, she just like walks out to get yeah, something from like, the kitchen mom, or something. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. I think naked bodies is just a bit too. Yeah, I get the concept of sex being a little bit, you know, too glorified, which I still don't know why that would matter to a seven year old. I don't 
maybe they would. I don't know what the fuck you be thinking at seven because I did not think about sex at seven. But um, me either. But it was a different time. Yeah, but uh, like they just a bit too harsh on naked women, naked women bodies, naked bodies in general. I think like we 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 have games where you know people are playing games and you're seeing people die before you see it in a naked body. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, kids are growing up in today's era. Like, we didn't see people. I mean, you had to grow up where I grew up at to see somebody get killed when you was young. Now, mm. today, it's in every video game. You're seeing people killing each other. They're shooting each other. You're seeing dead bodies before you see naked people. You know what I mean? So, I, I just think the fear of nakedness versus the fear of, like, violence is just a bit unique. It is. I, I know that that's been a conversation comparing, like, the United States application of censorship like FCC shit to um, Europe where Europe is like very lax on nudity and very restrictive on violence. And we're the opposite here for whatever that is. I don't give a shit about Europe. It makes more sense to me. Like I don't think I would have as much fear of seeing somebody naked than seeing somebody get their head blew off. Yeah. And like the manifestation, if we're like talking about like logical extremes, like, what would be the worst thing that I guess could happen? Like you're exposed to a bunch of nudity when you're young and it fucks you up and you grow up to, to be a slut versus you're desensitized to violence. You grow up to be a killer. Like (laughs) honestly being a slut ain't really about letting somebody see you naked. Like I think there's this weird premise of like strippers are sluts. And I'm like, no, they're Mm. not. They're, they're fantasy. They sell fantasy. Some of them try to sell the reality. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying some people ain't just regardless of reality. That was the quote from like episode four. I'm trying, you know, they're trying to sell fake pussy for money. I'm trying to push real dick for free. I mean, hey. <laughs> no, like, so, you know what I mean? Like, I think the strip strippers get a, strippers aren't sluts. They sell a fantasy that you could have action at a woman that is as, you know, sexually as uh, the concept of, because it, it don't mean that they fuck good because they strip. They, they, the two don't have nothing to do with each other. No. And strippers don't even use their real names. They use fantasy names. Yeah, yeah. They do. Alizé. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, it's like, um, I don't think that person is a slut as much as somebody who actually slutting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't quite get that. And censorship is getting worse and worse. Um, well, you heard of Project Veritas? No, they're, I guess, the the mainstream media describes them as a quote unquote, like far right pseudo journalistic organization or whatever. But it's just like a guy and his team and they basically take um, they try to solicit like either hot mics or um, whistleblower content. And somebody came across. Joe Biden's daughter's diary and gave it to Project Veritas to publish. Project Veritas got the diary. They looked at it. They decided not to publish it. But it was reported that they were in possession of it. So at like four in the morning, this guy's, you know, apartment in New York, the FBI came through full-blown hardcore raid, handcuffs, arrested, taken into custody and took all of his shit just because he had it and because he's reported a lot of shit that isn't particularly favorable for politicians or government agencies. And that's something that, you know, we don't see through like, 
years and years and years of history happening in the United States with the with the press. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely. <clears throat> so do you think that the masses of American population are. The, the masses are ignorant, right? To some degree, they don't have knowledge of pretty much some of these things. I, I don't think it's. Mm-hmm. A, I don't think they're stupid. I think people don't have enough time. For like, sure. Like, like, like you have to have time to read. You have to have time to research. You have to have time to formulate thought. You know I mean, you could just think anything, but to, to, to formulate a, a, a well thought out thought, you, you need time. And I don't yeah. think you know, when most people have children, most people get jobs, most people get married. You don't have enough time for yourself to fully think ideas out. So you tend to take whatever you feel represents you the most and run with it. 100%. Right? It's easier, right? It's easier. Mm-hmm. And you end up, and people, you know, they have this weird thing to where, you know, now once they're running with it and they're running into things, right? They're starting to run into things they don't agree with, but now it would take too much work and energy to rebuild and go into something else. Totally. And I think that also either contributes to or is combined with this reality of just like human behavior where if you believe in something for a long time, like you're comfortable with that belief. And when that belief is challenged very overtly, you're going to resist that because you don't want to believe that a, you could be wrong or B whatever it is that you are talking about there. Like, like what are the ramifications of that belief actually being wrong? What, what, what does that mean for me and the people around me? And it's funny because I'm the same way, like with people, like I tend to challenge people think, like I said, people think that I'm a, uh, what's the name? It's a, uh, what is it called? It, it was a word specifically that I like to challenge or just argue with people. And it's weird because I don't like, Oh yeah, I've called you a troll for a hundred years. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, and I'm really not like I'm not at all. But it's another word. What's the what's the professional word that they use? Uh, a contrarian. Contrarian. And I'm not like I don't like to dis. I just have more time to. I invest more time into ideas than most people. Hundred percent. You ever notice me? You rarely argue. Like that's true. Because I pretty much know you put enough thought into it, and whatever we're talking about, if I'm arguing with you about it, is because. I know you've put in the thought. Now that's not to say that if I if I because the thing like when we talk about concept of race in America, we argue all the time. And it's not because I don't think you don't know because you're white. I just think you don't know because you just don't know particularly. That don't mean you don't have any concept, but it's certain times I'm gonna nah Pete, that ain't right. But then yeah. most of the times I'm not I don't like I don't troll you because I think you take time to know what the fuck you be talking about. Most people like I had this conversation on Twitter and I was saying that um, Tim Duncan was a greater player than Kobe Bryant. Right. And it's splitting hairs because they're real close. Oh, man, that I'm sure went over very well. Yeah. And of course, you know, <laughs> but I was saying and I kept I, I made it simple. I said Tim Duncan. Right. Is a better power forward than Kobe Bryant is a shooting guard. Right? He's had a greater career. And it's tough for people to understand that because. It's a passion that goes behind what they like. It's it's almost to the point to where it's like what I like has to be the best or I can't like it. Like, I don't feel yeah. like that. I can like stuff that's not the best because I don't fucking care. I just like it. 
Yeah. Full places that other people don't like, and I enjoy it. I don't give a fuck what y'all say. I enjoy it. I'm going to go there regardless. I think Wendy's, I love Wendy's. Wendy's has the best burger on the mainstream franchise. No, not like not counting five guys. Yeah. yeah. Agree with me? I actually enjoy it. Now, I wouldn't argue with you that Wendy's is the greatest burger. I said they have the best burger. I enjoy their burgers the most. Yeah. Your favorite. Huh? Your favorite. Yes. But when I have these other conversations, so do you think it's like these companies' ideas at that point to censor because it doesn't go with their theory? Like everybody in these companies in Meta cannot think like people, people, you know, that that I think you'd be very surprised. Think so? Yeah, I, I think that you're dealing with very niche personality types in very boutique regions of the country. So you get like this distillation of echo chamber effect. Like Mm -hmm. if you're an elite programmer, that's good enough to be programming at one of these companies and you're actually physically writing what's basically your interpretation of an instruction for an algorithm and your team is, that's a very, very like-minded group of people. Um, it's a small area of, of the broader economy and a small cultural area of the country. Um, that's largely all the time. I just, I literally, and not to cut you off, we just had a conversation where I'm saying the LGBTQ, the, 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 the plus community, right. They have so much sway on public thought and, and what the government is doing. The country is turning into a communist country. It's becoming the voice of a small community starting to project everything onto the masses. Yeah, th- that's a like I my opinion of that is a is a is a little bit inverse. I, I look at that as kind of like an on steroids version of the way I look at a lot of the race driven rhetoric in the country, where you have people that are wealthy, powerful, white liberals, by and large, that don't really give a shit one way or the other about black America or gay America or trans America, but they know that they can capitalize on the fact that other people might, so they will use those communities as leverage. To look good. Yeah. To look as the concept of righteous or just... 100%. That's my personal opinion. I could be flat-ass wrong. It's just how I I see it. You're right. I think you're right. I think you're. I mean, I do think. Yeah, I think you're right. I don't think it's every last one, but I do think the majority. That's how it is. Yeah, and 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 the majority. When you're talking about that level of sway, the majority defines the apparatus. Mm. That, do you think that mm-hmm. the public as? So being the public is not concerned, right? Because. Remember, this happened to Farrakhan, too. Farrakhan got banned off of these sites. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you think it is a helpful thing to humanity? Or is it a confusing thing? When they they start to censor certain personalities that are strong or that are captivating. I I think that it's very, very bad to do. I think that the mystery is oftentimes far worse than the reality. If I was 
uh, you know, somebody who just said the most horrible things you could think of all the time on social media and had a large audience that for whatever reason, not every person in your audience is listening to you for the same reason. And not everybody in your audience is walking away with the same message. But if you suddenly ban me, well, then you're going to get a romanticized caricature, you know, mm-hmm. uh, of the ideas that I was talking about at that point. Hmm? You can't even monitor it at that point. No, you're dealing with like the reality of what I would be saying versus like somebody's hypothetical case that I might have been saying, you know, and those two things are going to be really different. Mm-hmm. Is and there I, any positives about the censorship besides people just feel better? No, there really aren't. A- Any time that you bury the individual's ability to think, there aren't a lot of positives to that. Because because you, you you don't even learn to properly criticize. You don't even learn why you should dislike a bad idea because you don't even see it. You know, you don't even you don't even grow as a man. That's a great point. It, it, one of my boys, my boy LC uh, from off the East Coast, he's from one of the uh, Caribbean islands based out of the East Coast or came to America in the East Coast. And he mm-hmm. was telling me about this particular movement. And I didn't see what was bad about it. He was telling me, he's like, I'm telling you, G, the rhetoric is bad. And it's crazy because it is a pro-black movement. And I didn't see it because I felt the just or the initial message of it. But over the time, I started to realize what was wrong. The difference with me is I got a chance to think about it. And the difference with me also is I didn't just jump head first because I like something. It's like, oh, let me just look at it a little bit more. You know what I mean? Like, And then over time, I started realizing I had to call LC and say, hey, man, you was right. Hey, I didn't peep this. Like I told you. And I was like, damn. You know what I mean? It, it's it's such a weird place to be, you know, when you're trying to organize human beings. You know what I mean? And to Very. Lead. I guess that's why my fear as a leader, I never wanted to lead the masses because I would be a lot more, you know, um, I'd be a lot more like a, like a, uh, like a parent, I don't believe in explaining everything to human beings. You yeah. Know, that's probably why I'm not a parent because I don't want to explain everything to you all the time. Sometimes I want to explain something to you when there's things, but sometimes your children, they have to know to just listen and trust you. And if you always have to explain something, it could, you know, where how we grow up, it could cost you your life versus you just listening. You know what I mean? It's not yeah. as simple in every other world. And that's how I feel even like if I was a, a I would be a lot more like a dictator than a president. Like I would go with what I know is best for humanity. And I see people doing that, but the difference is I would be out front with it. Yeah. I wouldn't wouldn't really uh, hide it. And whether it's right or wrong, I don't think people like that. No, I, I think there's a huge difference between leading people to a point of their own free choice and leading people to a point of your free choice, you know? And we've kind of crossed that bridge a lot in this country. It's the social engineering is so severe. It's like, okay, we is the whatever, like right now is it making all the decisions, the progressive, you know, movement. We think it's best for all of humanity to go specifically there. And we're going to lead all of them there, whether they like it or not, because we think it's best that they go there. Whereas in a more healthy environment, you'd say, all right, 
we're going to lead people to a place where they can constructively f- make the most of it for themselves. And, and we'll start to see the negative ramifications of that. We're seeing the negative ramifications of that in the economy right now, uh, for sure. So we'll start to see it more societally if it continues over the next 10 years. Okay, so I think I remember talking to you. You don't really identify as a conservative, even though some of your views line up there. Um, If you had to see three major figures in the liberal movement be be uh, banned off social media, who do you feel's rhetoric is just as damaging hmm. liberal standpoint? What's interesting is that question is defined almost as much by the content that they put out as it is by, like, I think the most impactful, like, liberal content mechanism is the censorship. You know, I I think it's less about what they do say than what they don't say. But I would say whoever the leading voice in the environmentalist movement is, I would say Fauci or whatever the leading account is for a lot of this quote unquote health and safety bullshit, which has been a train wreck. And so, so at that point you would hold them liable for the economic breakdown of America over the last, well, we, we've been heading there, but then now we just, it just, the stem got shortened and went real fast. Yeah. Things have changed a bit uh, in the last few years. I, to me, the most dangerous man in America is Larry Fink. Who is Larry Fink? Larry Fink is the CEO of BlackRock, which is a giant, um, fund like investment fund i think they control between like eight and eleven trillion dollars in assets and he's the spearhead of this movement called esg which is environmental social governance it's basically a credit score system that is pretty opaque that he and his team define where based on your esg score this massive behemoth of the financial industry will either choke you off from access to money or, you know, fire hose into a car, you know, money into your company. And and that's, that's unbelievably damaging. Uh, For example, like on the environmental stuff, that's obviously green related shit. So at one time, a very, very high score, high rated company was Tesla because they're, you know, on board with the green agenda as an electric car company. When Elon Musk uh, proceeded to attempt to buy Twitter, he lowered the ESG index score of Tesla below that of ExxonMobil because of the social governance aspect of him attempting to manipulate the censorship apparatus within Twitter. Uh, That's, to me... You're now at, a, at companies because of the S and the G part. You're firing 
not hiring, making determinations of people's lifestyles based off of the way they think about shit that you think about. That's a huge manipulation of the economy and of society at large when you're talking about thousands of companies. That to me is the most dangerous man and movement in this country right now. And we haven't even begun to see the ramifications of that. Right now, it's like the foundations being laid pretty extensively. If that starts to really come home to roost, the country's going to change radically uh, for the worse. What is the worst version of America look like to you? Oof. Um, it probably looks a lot like China. No you know, middle we're, class. No middle class. Um, Very few extremely wealthy people. Entirely too many people living below. Yeah, it, it, it kind of starts to look like California. I mean, California has homogenized so many verticals of industry. It has tremendous state control over economies, over who can develop where and what. There's a housing shortage. There's concentrations of enormous wealth that nowhere in the world has ever seen before. And now California has a lower per capita poverty rate than Mississippi. And California has the fifth largest economy by itself in the world. Which means it's entirely too many rich people. Or entirely too, too few people. people that are so obscenely, ridiculously rich. It's, 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 it's very few people with money and entirely too many people without enough. Absolutely. And there's, and there's not enough. There, there aren't enough simple net worth millionaires. Because I mean, including you know, your house, your company, your shit, whatever. Sure. Being, yeah, being net worth a million and a half isn't like insane. No. That, there's very little of that in California. There's billionaires disproportionate and then there's Poor people who just disproportionate. Yeah. Good looking out for tuning in to the No Sellers Podcast. Please do us a favor and subscribe, rate, comment, and share. This episode was recorded right here on the West Coast of the USA and produced by my homeboy, A King for the Black Effect Podcast Network and iHeartRadio. Yeah. Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest 
to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 